Welcome to the Real Freedom Podcast, where we inspire you to pursue your passion to gain time and financial freedom through opportunities in real estate. I'm your host, Mike Swenson. Let's get some real freedom together. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Real Freedom Podcast. And uh, today we've got um, a little bit of a different feel. So we always often talk about real estate you know, building wealth and gaining financial freedom. And today I'm so excited to have Whitney Chafin on and she's gonna share with us how she's been using opportunities in real estate to give back, to do good and to help others out. And so this is uh, more of a, an others focused episode. And so we're so excited to have Whitney on. So just a little bit of a background about her, um, former Miss Florida USA contender. Um, <clears throat> she's worked with 55 plus nonprofits throughout her years second-generational investor, and teaches tens of thousands of people across the nation how to use real estate as a way to provide second chances and build wealth at the same time. So welcome, Whitney. Uh, we're so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking and I love uh, promoting kind of the good of what I do. So this is exciting. Yeah. So, so for those folks, and just to kind of get started, why don't you talk a little bit about your background, um, kind of your upbringing and how that shaped um, kind of who you are today and, and, and why you're doing what you're doing um, with your career and opportunities in real estate. Sure. So I, uh, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I grew up in Ohio, right on the border of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia. And I, mm -hmm. I always like to mention that because where I grew up was really that hard work mentality of working that nine to five. And, you know, there, there was no job too big, no task too big. My dad was a workaholic. He had five jobs when I was growing up, along with being a real estate investor. So mm -hmm. um, I grew up, you know, watching my dad rehab properties. He had, I think, 12 properties by the time I was 12 years old. So I, you know, I was, I was really invested in the business as a kid, just knowing what that, that all entailed in terms of managing properties, fixing them up, all of that. Um, but when I was about 21 years old, I was, uh, living in Los Angeles at the time. I went to college at Kent State University, went for broadcasting, you know, growing up, I had no desire to do real estate. So I went the other mm -hmm. way. So at 21 years old, I was living in Los Angeles and kind of had this epiphany that I didn't like living in LA. <laughs> I didn't mm -hmm. like TV. I didn't like um, everything that I had gone to school for. And so I found myself shortly after that in Delray Beach, Florida, which is where I still live today. And here in Delray, I wanted to just do something to kind of get me out of the TV world. And so my first job was working at a car dealership mm -hmm. and I knew nothing about cars, nothing about sales, um, but I, I had this TV background. So I was working in the marketing department for the car dealership. And uh, one of the unique things about this dealership is the owners of the dealership were actually completely blind. They had no usable vision whatsoever. So mm -hmm. as a way for them to do advertising, they liked to work with nonprofits. They liked to give back because they, you know, had a disability of their own. So they just had this appreciation for people that, that they can give back. And fortunately, mm -hmm. because they owned this car dealership, they were worth a lot of money. And so they had a, a ton of money that they could put into these nonprofits. So my role at the, the car dealership was to basically in, in terms of advertising is we would promote our, our cars or our brands at these nonprofit events. So we would have cars on display and signage and all of that. So when I first started working there, there was, I think, six nonprofits that we worked with. By the mm -hmm. time I was done working there, we were up to, I think, 67 nonprofits that we were a part of. And that really helped me understand the need for housing, that all of these individuals mm -hmm. that I was meeting 
that have these disabilities or have these, these unfortunate circumstances still needed a place to rest their head at night. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, going through and working with these nonprofits, I had no idea where my life was going to lead in terms of that. But by the time I was 25, although I loved working at the car dealership, I did not want to work for somebody else. And mm-hmm. I think that hard work mentality I've always had was kind of why I was there for so long because I wasn't making a whole lot of money and I was doing a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. So I finally, again, had another epiphany that I wanted to do something else. And so, um, my dad was not only a real estate investor, but he had also worked for a real estate education company. And so Mm -hmm. I told my dad at 25, dad, I, I think you were right. I probably should have learned how to invest in real estate because I don't like working for somebody else. I don't want to ask for permission to have holidays off. And So at 25 is when I kind of got my start as an investor. And Mm -hmm. then just recently with COVID happening, I got my real estate license. And so Mm -hmm. um, through the years, I've kind of paired that giving back and working with nonprofits with real estate. And that's kind of what I do now. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because there's a lot of people that, you know, that I've known or or even had on the podcast that have grown up in real estate and, and kind of decided like, yeah, it's, it's not for me. And then they find a way to circle back. So, so talk a little bit about, you know, you said growing up, you'd, you kind of did all the stuff, you saw all the stuff. Um, Talk about your experience there. And, and, you know, you, obviously your, your dad was a hard worker, but what, what are some of the lessons that you kind of learned or, or the opportunities that you saw just growing up, you know, with, with having a, a, a parent who was an investor? Sure. So, um, you know, the, the good thing about owning real estate, I will say very quickly is that you can kind of control the income and you have the ability to control what you're doing in the, you know, the, the days of working, basically, you're not working a nine to five for somebody else with a structured to-do list, but Mm -hmm. growing up watching my dad, you know, I remember pipes freezing in the middle of the wintertime and him having to leave in the middle of the night to handle it. I remember Mm -hmm. tenants trashing our properties um, there's a story that I tell cause I, I'm a professional speaker and I travel the country teaching what I do. And I tell this story where I remember my entire family, we got fleas from tenants that had trashed our properties that my mom actually made us take all of our clothes off outside of our house before walking in. So when I was about seven years old, I saw my dad naked, which was traumatizing, but we had to take all of our clothes off because my mom was so afraid that we would infest our home with fleas. And she has this saying too. She says that she has seen everything in a rental property except for a dead body. And she's not lying. You know, there's there's a right way to do this business and there's there's certainly a wrong way. And not that my dad was doing things the wrong way, but he was doing everything himself. And so I that's what I didn't want. You know, I didn't want people calling me because something was breaking or, um, you know, the heat was out or the water was out or whatever because of pipes freezing or, a, you know, a storm or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff I, d- I did not like. But right. I did see the wealth that it provided my family with. I mean, I went to Hawaii when I was eight years old and most people dream their whole life of going to a place like that. I've now mm-hmm. been there probably seven times because of just the the mentality, I think, and the mindset that you have when you understand how to make money work for you. And mm-hmm. so um, about my dad very quickly, when I was growing up, he was doing everything himself. But when I was about 11 years old, my dad heard a, an infomercial on TV about this real estate workshop to teach people how to invest in real estate. And we've all heard them. You know, there's several companies mm-hmm. out there that do it. But my dad heard this ad and he went to it with a friend at work and you know, was thinking, you know, I already do real estate. What are these people actually going to teach me? But they started talking about leveraging other people's money and um, the value of asset protection and understanding the tax benefits that come along with real estate. And so Mm -hmm. 
my dad had did things creatively up until that point, but on a small scale. So he decided, you know what, fine, I'll spend some money. I'll go learn about this stuff. And in a matter of about five and a half months, my dad went from owning 12 properties to 60. And when he did that by learning how to invest the right way, then the game changed. And then my dad, you know, we went from my parents making six figure salary to seven figures and him increasing his you know, uh, his net worth, I think it was by $2 million. And so Mm -hmm. with all of that stuff happening, um, I really did see it, but many of my memories were from my dad working like a dog. And so I did not want anything to do with that. I really thought the path for me was in the exact opposite direction, which is also kind of unique because along with my dad being a real estate investor, he was also a videographer and did a lot of production. And that's actually Mm -hmm. what I went to school for. So it's funny how, Mm -hmm. even though you think you're not following your parents' path, sometimes (laughs) you actually are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So were these properties like uh, single family, small multifamily, or more apartment complexes? Combination. So I think the first property that my dad ever purchased before I was even born was a commercial property. And he turned it into a gym because he was a professional bodybuilder as well. So that was his first thing. And then um, the house that I lived in growing up for from age like birth to five years old, my dad purchased, it was single family on owner financing where he only paid like 200 bucks a month to own the property. Mm-hmm. And then the next property that I remember him purchasing was a commercial building that was a former, I think, train station. Mm-hmm. And they turned it into a, a new gym and tanning salon and massage therapy wellness center. And then... Um, during that whole time period from like the time I was born to 11 years old, he had both multifamily, single family, a couple duplexes, commercial, and I believe a mobile home park. That was like a, a family thing. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And it's interesting to see. I mean, a lot of times people think, you know, that that's kind of the the negative of the <clears throat> being an investor is, yeah, you're the person answering all the late night calls that come in and just understanding that, yeah, there there is leverage out there. And you can find ways to do what you like to do and then have other people do the things that you don't like to do. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of room or plenty of money to go around as well um, because you can grow faster when you have good people and good leverage around you, like your dad being able to go from 12 to 60 units. um, And then it's finding the right people so that, yeah, you get to pick and choose what you want to do. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's the big shift is he went eventually from doing everything himself to having property managers and having a maintenance crew Mm -hmm. and handy people. And then he wasn't answering the phones. You know, at that point, he was actually invited to work for the company that he had learned from. And he started Mm -hmm. going out there and training and mentoring students. And that's been the bulk of his um, career now since I was a kid is training other people how to do it while also having the properties that are just bringing in money that he doesn't have to worry about. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I saw it in that light it, at 25, I'm like, oh my gosh, my dad's doing it. Why am I not just, you know, learning from him while I still have the opportunity? Yeah. And you can invest in real estate and it doesn't have to be a full-time job. It can be exactly. very passive. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be, okay, I own this property. Now I'm there every single day working on it, doing it. Um, it could just simply be, you know, if you do something where it's like a, a syndication, it's here's my money. Just tell me how much money I've made. So there's very various degrees of how involved you want to be um, or how, how involved you want to be in the decision-making process. That's the beauty of investing in real estate is you can kind of pick which lane you want to be in and be as involved or not as involved as you want to be. Yep, exactly. And I, I think that's kind of what it's been, or you know, what's been most desirable about it to me is that, is that you don't have to be the one handling everything and you can pick and choose what makes sense for you. So then talk a little bit too, because I know uh, we haven't gotten into this yet, um, that you had created a recovery home. 
Yes. So um, now what year is it? 2021? Yeah. Wow. This has been a while. But um, in 2016, that's when I was learning how to invest in real estate. So I actually Mm -hmm. invested in myself. I took education classes to learn about the different strategies. And um, one strategy I learned about was creative financing. So learning Mm -hmm. how to leverage other people's money. And I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. Um, I didn't, you know, for a long time, but I really do see things align in my life. And I, I really believe that. So one day it was in August of 2016, I think I was, uh, walking into the post office and I actually made a wrong turn that day. I was mm-hmm. supposed to go get my oil changed. I turned the wrong way. So I just ran into the post office to drop something off. And when I went in, this guy stopped me and he was like, Hey, I never do this, but I have to ask you, do you want to go get lunch with me? And I was like, kind of put off, you know, off put a little bit and yeah. was like, I'm sorry, who are you? And so we got to talking and come to find that he was in the recovery space. And so at this point he was, I think two years sober for himself and mm-hmm. he was a businessman, you know, he worked in a treatment center and he was getting ready to purchase a property to turn into a recovery home. And mm-hmm. I knew nothing about recovery, but I knew everything about real estate and mm-hmm. I shouldn't say everything, but I knew quite a bit about real Enough. estate. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I actually uh, have a lot of friends and family members who suffer from drug and alcohol addiction. So it's always been, I would probably say from the time I was seven years old, a population of people who really speak to my heart that I've always just been compelled to lend a helping hand to those individuals. And Mm -hmm. so when I met him, it was kind of like fate, you know, like there was this, it was meant to be that we were meeting at that moment in time to turn this into something. So Mm -hmm. long story short, about a month later, we get this recovery home and it's filled by the people that he knew. And it was structured more so on my expertise. So my mom and I went and like furnished it. We painted the little things that needed to be painted because we understood renovation work and all of that. And um, from there, it just, it became a recovery home. And so we ended up making a significant amount of money on that per month, but they had a moratorium put into the city of Delray beach, which basically said, you cannot have any more recovery homes in this area. And that's because for every good person that was doing it, there were several bad people doing it mm-hmm. and, and really abusing the, the recovery individuals that were you know going through and getting treatment. So um, we ended up closing that property down and I shifted into re-entry. So helping people coming out of prison was more my focus, but that's where mm-hmm. it started. You know, that, that recovery home was kind of like meant to be for me because it really showed me that there's a whole nother way that you can do investing and you're actually helping people and you're really not only making money, but you're giving it back. And then from there, now there's other groups that, you know, want to be a part of what you're doing or want to know how you're doing it. And with that comes another income. So it's, it's been really financially rewarding, but more spiritually rewarding as well. And I think it goes back to, you know, you had talked about um, when you were working with the car dealerships, um, everybody needs housing, right? And you know, being able to provide a, a good space for people to live at an affordable price um, to help them get back on the feet, to help them be in a community of other people that can help them. That stuff's really important too. I mean, even just something as simple as, you know, I've had people on where they talk about, um, you know, people that have rented from them <clears throat> uh, previously have talked about past landlords have been unresponsive not helpful, not providing great conditions. So even just being a a responsive owner Mm -hmm. um, is really helpful. But, but when you're doing something like that, providing a space for people to, um, to be in community with others, to help them get back on the right path, they, they still need to live somewhere and somebody has to own that building. Um, And so you can do good and 
um, help build your wealth at the same time and do it in a way where you're not taking advantage of them or anything like that. You're helping them and you're providing them a good space that they appreciate and love and can afford to pay for. Absolutely. And that, that I think too, is where the, the, the vision can extend because, you know, my particular population I work with is drug and alcohol recovery and reentry, but like you, you just said, everybody needs a place to rest their head. So you may deal with women of domestic violence or victims of human trafficking. Uh, there's a, an organization that I work very close with and their name's Place of Hope. And they actually house children who are aging out of foster care. And so there's, there's so many organizations out there. And a lot of it is funded by the government or funded mm-hmm. by insurance or funded by um, you know, just programs out there that exist that most people don't even know of. So a lot mm-hmm. of times the, the client isn't even paying for it at the right. beginning. So there's, no, I don't want to say guaranteed income, but almost like guaranteed income, similar to section eight housing, where they yep. get kind of a voucher for the time being. So they can get back on their feet. Yep. And I do know that sometimes, you know, people that, that might be wondering, there may be issues with zoning. There may be issues yeah. with the loan that you're getting. So you, you do have to work through some of those things yes. um, because it is a different situation, but um, you know, finding lenders that are willing to to provide that loan, making sure that everything's on the up and up with the city, that it's zoned correctly, you have the proper licensing in place. Um, You know, great opportunities aren't necessarily always the easiest too. So, you know, there there is an opportunity to to do that. If you do have to walk through a little bit more red tape to make that happen, um, one, you then have a a great financial opportunity and two, you have a great human opportunity. And so going through that red tape, going through that little bit of extra work, um, can certainly be worth it. But but yeah, there there are different restrictions with those types of places um, than just a regular duplex or fourplex or single family home for a regular investor. Yes. And the, the property we had was single family and it was five bedrooms, three bathrooms. And at the time there were no restrictions. But mm-hmm. like I said, when they put the moratorium there, what they were saying is that you could no longer have more than three unrelated people under one roof. So yes. now our five bedroom that was allowed to house 12 people legally based on dimensions and square footage could no longer. So yeah, zoning is super important, knowing those those laws of how many people could be there. And also if you're in the city limits, it's a whole nother level of hoops to jump through. <laughs> okay. So switching gears a little bit then, um, <clears throat> why don't we talk a little bit about um, the future and, and where you want to go? So you just talked about getting your license. Obviously you've been an investor for a while. Um, so what are you thinking in, in regards to your future and how you're going to use all your background and experience that you have um, for real estate and doing good to, to, to move forward. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure only because I, I just had a baby uh, eight weeks ago. And so now a lot of my focus has been on being a mom, but right. I will say that my fiance is a general contractor. And so mm-hmm. our goal is to kind of um, use my real estate license and his, you know, contracting degree, or you should say contracting license and his experience to be able mm-hmm. to, um, tie it into what we're already doing. So one thing is building new construction homes on the water, which actually have nothing to do with giving back. You know, it's more right. so him just doing it as a profit. And then I get to list those properties and we sell them on speculation. Cause right now, I mean, we live in Palm beach County, Florida, where people are flocking here every single mm-hmm. day. So huge opportunity to be able to sell properties at retail, but with the money we make from those, I think a couple of things. One, the the organization that we do work closely with, Place of Hope, 
Um, I donated about $25,000 to them two years ago and they built a library for all the kids at place of hope with that. And they, they mm-hmm. named the library after me and my family, which was pretty cool, mm. but yeah. we'd like to do that on a bigger scale. And so they're always having yeah. opportunities for investors to donate money. And I think the, the amount that I had in my head that I wanted to donate was a hundred thousand dollars because with that, they can build a multifamily property for their, their, uh, the children that are in their, their nonprofit. So that's one thing, but I've also started my own organization called Whitney's Place. And because of COVID, it's kind of been um, just like dangling in the wind, waiting to be launched because there were Mm -hmm. so many things happening with properties and with people being released from prison that we weren't able to really get that going in the capacity that we wanted. So that's kind of my focus now is um, as a real estate agent, you know, I hope to sell properties and and make money in that arena. But that money that I make, I 100% Mm -hmm. intend to fuel Whitney's place, to start my own and to have housing for individuals that really do need a second chance. That's entirely, you know, after my model and what I want with no partners or, or anybody else kind of dictating how that should go. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we just talked about, you know, the, the freedom of time, the freedom of schedule, the freedom to be able to be a mom um, and to be home when you want. And so that stuff's really important too. And I think, um, you know, when people are looking at different career paths and, you know, they think about real estate, yes, there's a lot of, ways that time can suck, suck up um, Mm -hmm. in real estate. But at the same time, it's, you get to do what you want to do. Like you mentioned before, you don't have to ask for holidays off. Um, You get to decide that. So if you decide you want to spend a little bit more time working with your fiance on the construction projects, great. If you want to spend a little bit more time working on Whitney's place, great. You don't have somebody telling you what you can and can't do and how you have to spend your time. You get to choose how to invest it in those different spaces and see the seeds and the fruit from that grow. Exactly. And that that's really the plan. You know, I, I only got my real estate license because it made sense. It wasn't so much that I wanted to be a real estate agent, but it's like, I know all these ways to help people get into properties if they can't qualify for a mortgage or, mm-hmm. um, you know, how to get a property to discount. And I felt like I was being a disservice to people by not having my license to be able to mm-hmm. help them in that arena. And so it's the same thing. You know, I got my license thinking I'll just do it when I want, when I feel like it. And that is the beauty of financial freedom. There's no way that I'd be able to be a stay at home mom if I never learned how to invest in real estate nearly six years ago. You know, that's the right. the power of our choices. Now you mentioned that you also travel around and speak. Um, what do you, what do you do for that? So um, there's a company called Elite Legacy Education. They're actually one of the pioneers of financial education. They were uh, started in 1992 by a man by the name of Russ Whitney. So that used to be called Whitney Education. And then through the years had, had had several name changes. Um, but they have been the education company for Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote the book, mm-hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Tarek El Musa from HGTV's Flip or Flop. So they've been the, the leading education company for several years and they are publicly traded, which is a benefit to any student who's investing in that, that company because you have the ability to see that it's strictly education. You know, they, mm-hmm. they don't make money off any deals you do or anything, they just teach you. So in... Uh, 2016, after I did that recovery home, they actually got wind of it and invited me out to be a a road crew member, they call it, where I would actually help students invest in the education over the weekend. And then in 2018, I think it was the end of 2018, they actually asked me to come out and be a speaker. And so I've Mm -hmm. been traveling the country up until COVID doing the free seminars that they offer. Uh, They're like two hour free seminars where I would basically tell my story in a two hour presentation and enroll Mm -hmm. students into our three day training. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at an event like that, you're learning a lot of the basics of real estate investing. So if you are brand new, it's a great place to kind of get started. And if you're a little more advanced, it's kind of a, a great way to see all the pieces fit together. 
Because for me, I knew a lot growing up, but there was so much I didn't know. And going to a place like that or, or learning and investing in yourself in that way is really helpful. So um, I would travel the country basically speaking about that. And then when COVID happened, we kind of shut down for a little bit and then I got pregnant. So <laughs> mm-hmm. now I've shifted and doing everything from home. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, kind of thinking about education and, you know, that's something that I've seen from so many people that are very successful is they're willing to invest in themselves. They're willing to invest to grow their knowledge base, invest in good leverage um, so that you're not the the 24-7 do everything, you know, for everybody type person, but you're really selectively investing. Just like, you know, if, you know, people talk about if, if I were to get a, you know, a, a, course of some sort, or if I were to get a a coach of some sort, yes, I'm spending a lot of money, but just think about going to college. I mean, college was really expensive, right? You, you helped grow your knowledge. You helped maybe grow some connections that you had, uh, make some relationships. And so why wouldn't we be willing to invest in ourselves in various ways in the future too, so that we can get to that next level of where we want to go in our careers? Absolutely. And like my biggest thing is I went to college for journalism. And when I graduated college, I was offered a job making $18,000 a year. And I made more money waitressing three days a week than I was making in the career I spent four years of my life going to school for and getting into debt for. Where mm-hmm. with real estate, you know, I learned a strategy called wholesaling and was able to wholesale a property that took me a couple hours to do. And I made more in a month doing that than I did at my job. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's the all about the return, you know, what what you're investing in yourself. And the cool thing too about learning how to invest in real estate is that creative side of it of how to structure and you know move money has helped me significantly in other areas of my life. So it's definitely worth the investment to learn how to do it for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, any uh any kind of final advice or or tips that you would have for for people listening? Um I think the biggest thing is kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm a faith-based person not to push that on anybody, but I, tr- like I said, I truly believe everything happens for a reason. And I think we have an inner gut feeling several times in our lives. And I think if anybody who ha- has the desire to kind of jump and take that leap of faith into real estate investing or mm-hmm. into what we call social housing or investing for both profit and purpose, you should 100% do it. Because I think that what you give to the world, it really comes back to you. And if you have any mm-hmm. inclination of getting involved, even if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel right now, just do it because it, mm-hmm. it will come. And if you jump, it'll you know just figure it out later. It's kind of the thing. We say, say yes and figure it out later. Cool. Yeah. So for folks that, you know, have heard your story and, and want to learn more, how can they get a hold of you? How can they go find out more about you, find more about what you're you're working on? Sure. There's a couple places. So one would be legacyeducation.com. That's just the website for our education company. That's where I learned how to do it, the social mm-hmm. housing stuff. So anybody who wants to learn, that's going to be your best bet is, is actually taking a course on this so that you understand the legalities behind it and how mm-hmm. to find the properties and structure those. To reach me personally, you could probably email me at the the email address with legacies, Whitney Chafin at legacyea.com. And that's W H I T N E Y C H A F F I N at legacy, L E G A C Y E A.com. And that I think can reach me directly, and I'm happy to help anyone who uh, either needs that, that extra motivation or has some questions about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, Very inspiring and and very helpful. So we certainly appreciate that. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it.